Purple Insider is presented by Liquid Death, delicious water that's bringing death to plastic. Learn more at liquiddeath.com insider. Another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, still uh, on location, if they call it that, somewhere else other than TCO Performance Center. Joining me from inside of the Performance Center is Will Raggett, Sports Illustrated, for our weekly hardcore breakdown. And I want to get into what Ed Donatell had to say about the defense. Um, there's two things I want to mention first, though, Will. First, I don't want anybody to forget this is a revenge game. I feel like this is going under the radar that this is a Yannick Ngakwe revenge game. And I just feel like people are forgetting. So I wanted to bring that up first as I was looking through what the Indianapolis Colts have done this year. And I was like, oh, yeah, not only Yannick Ngakwe, but also Afadi Adenabo, too. So the revenge is real. There's been a revenge game like every single game this year. Yeah, every single week. And sometimes they're like big notable ones, like – TJ Hawkinson or Patrick Peterson or Zadarius Smith. And then sometimes we're like, oh, Tyler Conklin revenge game or Yannick Ngakwe who played six games for the Vikings and still led the entire 2020 Vikings in, in sacks. Afadio Denebo is a good one. I, I hadn't thought of that either. So a fellow Northwestern man, this little, it'll be an interesting one on Saturday for sure. Okay, so when you think about <laughs> Yannick Ngakwe led the team after playing in six games in 2020, and yet they allowed fewer yards in terms of ranking than where the Minnesota Vikings rank right now, despite having a healthy Daniil Hunter all season long and Zadarius Smith. But I, I have to say, I, you know, there is a part of me that's like a little befuddled just by this entire season, Will, because this week has felt like, you know, not, okay, they lost or whatever, but it, it, it felt like... They lost by a thousand and it felt like they lost to be eliminated from the playoffs. Like just how it felt. I, I mean, we know that you can look at the standings and see where they actually are. And we can remind ourselves, yeah, this team is going to cruise into the playoffs and they've had one of the best seasons in the NFL by their record, but it's so hard not to look around and go, you rank 32nd in defense. Like, how are we supposed to get over this? So I think that the whole season has sort of been that way. We're like, yeah, I see a lot of things that seem problematic. And yet the overall record is so good. Like, how do I balance these things? Yeah, no, it it's strange. And, and I think a couple of people have said that this week. Like I was listening to a Patrick Peterson interview. He did, uh, I think with K-Fan. And then he's talking about like, yeah, we've lost three games. You'd think we'd lost seven. Like we have to, remind ourselves we're still potentially going to clinch the NFC North this week. Like there's still going to be a top three seed in the playoffs. Ed Donatel will get into many things that he said in, in, there was a very interesting press conference this morning, but he said like, Hey, we've done some good things. We, what we want to do is contribute to winning games. And we did that 10 times. We have a lot of interceptions. We have some sacks. Um, we've had some guys make clutch plays. It kind of felt like, uh, I think there was a Mike Zimmer press conference last year where he came to the the podium with some a prepared list of stats, and he was like, hey, "It's not it's not all bad, guys." There was there was some of that those vibes, but yeah, you, you're right. It's this is a a team that has ten wins, is still has everything in front of them, but it's just so hard to have any sort of belief or faith that they have the ceiling that they want to have uh, as far as even getting past the divisional round and, and making a run to the NFC championship game, potentially going to the Super Bowl, because 
it, you get blown out by the Eagles, you get blown out by the Cowboys, you lose somewhat convincingly to the Lions, and it's like, I, I just, I just don't know. I don't, I don't see it. And then they're thirty second in defense, which is in yards allowed per game, which is the stat that's circulating for good reason. But yeah, it's also, I mean, the negative point differential. They're the only team ever to be ten and three and have a have a negative point differential. And it's just they feel like this is like a seven and six team that had got some breaks to go their way. And if those hadn't happened, we'd be having a much different conversation. So it's, it's a weird place to be right now, but very winnable t-shirt and hat game coming up on Saturday at us bank stadium. Right. Yeah. Their third potential in a row t-shirt and hat game. Uh, Yeah. That's where it's been, I think challenging all season long because there's so many games that we've come out of, even against the New York jets where we went like, wow, you averaged like four yards a pass and you had to go five for six in the red zone to even win this game. And if, if these games happen periodically throughout the season and then you won convincingly in a bunch of other games, you'd just be a normal team. So like or a normal good team, like the Dallas Cowboys last week, they have to be looking around being like, Oh, Houston, huh? You really let Houston hang in the game. Well, they've got NFL players too, and maybe something wasn't working or whatever, but you also have a 40 to three win against a really good team on your resume. So it's very, very easy to go, oh, okay, well, you know, that was just a weird game or something. And with the Vikings, it's like every loss has been by two scores or complete blowout. And every win has been really close, except for on week one. And a lot of times, like just in sports, it sort of works this way. Like basketball is this way too, where you kind of look at the teams who routinely blow teams out rather than, Hey, did you win the free throw battle at the end? Like every sport uh, uses this point differential run differential, whatever to grade how strong a team is. But the other thing, when I wrote about this last week that I'm trying to keep in mind is that these rankings are not final. Um, they're not the end of the season. And when you play a team like the Indianapolis Colts, and this is why I think it's actually kind of a good test case. This team is horrific, absolutely horrific, grotesque. I threw up in my mouth looking at their PFF grades. Although, by the way, hysterical that Yannick Ngakwe has eight and a half sacks and a 49 PFF grade out of a hundred, like the most oh Yannick Ngakwe. That one thing you have to give him is that he's always him no matter what. Uh, but, uh, you know, like you can win by 20 in this game and then you have a plus 19 point differential and you can blow out the giants like Philadelphia did. Like, I I think that there is an opportunity here to show some teams that are way worse than you. And I, I think that the giants are way worse. The current version of the giants is a pretty bad team. Chicago is horrible. Like the green Bay is not good. Like you have a chance here to do this. So I, that's where I don't want to like make a declaration, but it's like, if you end the season minus one, if you end the season 32nd and these are the teams you're playing, then I would be willing to say like your odds of going anywhere in the playoffs are pretty rough. So I'd love you to tell me the answers that Ed Donatel gave to you guys about what they're going to do on the defensive side. Yeah. I mean, before we get into that, I just, I, I really agree that like normally if it if you're talking about a ten and three team and you look at the schedule ahead of them, you'd be like, all right, this isn't that interesting. Like we're gonna show up and and watch the games and write some stories because that's what we do. And like they'll probably win three of the last four and go into the playoffs, and that's where it'll get interesting. Like no, not with this team right now. I, I'm fascinated to see what the next four games hold because there's so much that they need to do to to 
have anyone really believe in them. And you're exactly right. If they, they have an opportunity to come out and they know what just happened in this Lions game, they know they can say all they want. We don't, we're not concerned about what people are saying. They know what the national narrative I think is about them, that they're fraudulent, the 10 win team. And they're not in that class with the Eagles and Cowboys and 49ers and, and, and those kind of teams. And they have an opportunity to come out and play a bad Colts team and, yeah, win a game by more than eight points for the first time since week one is, is a prime opportunity to do that. And the Giants, like you said, though, the rest of the way, like I think we're going to learn a lot about this team over the next four games. And with, with Donatel, it was it was interesting. It felt like uh, a lot of kind of Mike Zimmer press conferences over the last couple of years where there was just kind of a tension, kind of a, a defensiveness. And, and Ed Donatel, and his, his, to his credit, he answered all the questions. And he, he said, I mean, he – fully admitted there's no there's no getting around it that it has not been good enough they have given up a ton of pass yards what they've been trying to do isn't working and they needed to fix that and he said that that's what they're working on they're trying to get there and they have a vision they know what they're supposed to be doing they they know what it's supposed to look like it just hasn't looked like that so far and and, and that's he, he says I mean we're gonna get there and he said, I don't know if it'll be in five days or six days or seven days, but eventually we're going to get there. And to that, you kind of go, well, it better be pretty soon because the playoffs are coming up in like a month or less than a month. And you need to, you need to not be where you are right now. So as far as actual like changes that they can make, I, I think one that came up a bunch was just being tighter in coverage. And I think that's something we've heard about dating back to earlier this season, but there's just too much, like playing off coverage and giving up all this, this cushion. And I mean, you look at like the Josh Reynolds touchdown against the lions, their, their third one where it's just Cam Bynum is like halfway deep in the end zone. And it feels reminiscent of the last time the Vikings played in Detroit and Cam Dantzler was halfway deep in the end zone at the end of that game. And so I think they need to play tighter coverage, which was interesting because then the follow-up was, so when they're playing off, is that what they're being coached to do or, or what's, what's going on there? And there, it was kind of a non-answer to that, but they need to play tighter coverage. They need to figure out this pass rush. And Donatel kind of admitted that um, Zedaria Smith has been playing through some injury and he says he's healthy now. Uh, and I think he had, he had six pressures against the Lions, which is more along the norm for him, but hasn't had a sack in the last four games. So they got to get the pass rush going because that helps the coverage. They got to play better coverage because that'll help the pass rush get home. It's, it's this thing right now where neither of them are working and they got to find answers quick. Yeah. That's how you finish uh, 32nd in yards against is that you don't pressure yeah. the quarterback and you don't cover anyone. I mean, I think that some of the answer is maybe you just have to play some press coverage. I mean, at some point, but they're clearly concerned that Patrick Peterson is going to get roasted. And he has been a couple of times this year, even playing off coverage, like his speed is not Patrick Peterson from 2011. So they are aware of that. And I think that it's really worked for Patrick Peterson because it relies so much on his intelligence. But on the other side, you have inexperienced guys or new guys that you're bringing in or Cam Dantzler, who's just always had this trouble. And it's like, it, it works for one, but doesn't work for the other guys. And yeah, I mean, you, you know, the Harrison Smith element, I know he didn't play against the lions, but that hasn't been a great fit all year, except for the big plays he's made in a handful of games, but he hasn't had the same impact and I think that's probably usage. So 
you know, Donatel seems to be sort of talking out of both sides of his mouth a little bit of like, no, my scheme still works, but like, yeah, you guys are right. The results are bad, but it still works. But I guess we have to make some changes, but still works. And I feel like you guys need to remember it still works. And the quote that I saw, cause I'll be back tomorrow for my usual, but you know, still away for the moment. But the quote that, uh, really stuck out to me was when he said like, well, we've been close a lot to sacking quarterbacks. I mean, they're 22nd in pressures. They're 17th in, uh, you know, the total sacks, like not really not, no, not so much, you know, that the whole idea of just like sending four and, and the problem that you can run into though, is now, you know, you try to change a bunch of things and, what's working, what's not working, which was my question to O'Connell the other day. Like, how do you even evaluate in small samples of just a couple games what's worked and and what hasn't worked? And I think the answer that we're always just going to have to come back to here, Will, is like, yeah, you can make some changes. It could probably be a little better, but you're just going to have to win with offense. Like, I think that's really, that's really the story here. Yes. You're going to have some guys that'll make some plays on defense. The run defense has actually been pretty great. Most of the second half of the season, except for the Dallas game. Uh, So you're going to have to stuff the run, but you're going to give up points and you have to outscore the other team. And and an astute purple insider follower said the other day, like, Hey man, you know, they only had 16 points by the fourth quarter at the end of the game. Like that, I mean, it's a fair point as, as great as they played on offense, you know, they didn't finish some things off. And if they want to win, I, I think that's what it comes down to. So in a way, all eyes against the Colts and the giants and the Packers are going to be on the defense, but in a way I want to see the offense crack into the top seven or eight in the NFL and scoring. Cause they're just outside of that. And if they play like they did against Detroit, they can do that. But if Indianapolis holds them down and and Indy doesn't have a horrendous defense, if they hold them down, I think we're still going to say like, that's where you have to really win. Yeah, no, it is. And and that's what made the Lions game interesting to me is if a couple plays go differently, they could have won that in the shootout. If Kirk Cousins was that good, Justin Jefferson was that good. It comes down to when your defense is playing as poorly as it is, you have zero margin for error. And like – when you turn the ball over trying to do a Dalvin Cook pop pass at the three-yard line, that completely screws you. And when TJ Hawkinson drops a pass on a third down or you get stuffed on a shotgun run on fourth down, like just little plays like that change the entire game because you don't have any margin for error when you know we turned it over, we're not getting this ball back for five minutes unless they – well, unless they score on a deep pass immediately, uh, which they did a couple times. So that's that's the tough thing. It puts, it puts a lot of strain – on the Vikings offense. And another thing we can get into is, I mean, we also heard from, from Wes Phillips this morning and he was talking about the running game, which just hasn't, hasn't been working recently. I mean, they carried it 17 times for 22 yards against the lions. And so that forced them to become one dimensional. If they can get that going, that'll really help. But, but on the defense, like you, you bring up a good point. The run defense has been good. Getting Dalvin Tomlinson back was big for that guys like Kyrus Tonga and, and James Lynch and people like that have been playing well in the run. And I think their linebackers can still fit the run well. And that'll be a good thing to have against Jonathan Taylor because they've been getting killed through the air, but the Colts, their one strength on offense is running the ball. And, and Matt Ryan has really had a rough season. He's looking, looking pretty washed. So that it's kind of sets up as a perfect get right spot for this defense. But uh, a couple more things on Donatel. I mean, you, you mentioned a good quote where he said, we like our four-man rush, and they've been close so many times. We get a lot of hurries from this group. But it's just that extra little thing. If you can hold the coverage a little bit longer, a lot of those rushes will work with four. So there's always some kind of thing you can point to. Like, 
if our coverage was holding a little longer, then, then the pass rush would get home. But then, like I said earlier, it's like if the pass rush can get home quicker, that helps the coverage out. And it's just this, this cycle that is kind of killing them right now. Another interesting thing he said, I mean, he was just asked straight up towards the end after already kind of talking about this for a while, that is it scheme or execution? And he said, which is an interesting quote, he said, I think it's really more execution. You know what I mean? Just get tighter and so forth. We have a good mixture of schemes. And boy, I don't know. Like, if I was a player and I and I got a hold of that quote, I'm I'm thinking, like, what? I mean, you're putting this on us when the scheme is calling for us to play nine yards off and leave the middle of the field wide open. And and I think there's some truth to it from both sides. Like, if you're if you're Donatel, you're looking at it like, hey, this scheme has been successful before. I mean, the last ten years, Vic Fangio defenses, Brandon State, like. There's a reason this scheme is is popular around the NFL. It's not being executed right now very well, and maybe they just don't have the the pieces for it at the moment, especially at cornerback. But if I'm a player, I'm thinking, like, why don't we have a scheme that's tailored to the personnel that we have that can help us win some games? So it's it's a fascinating thing. Um, there's, There's a lot of pressure, I think, on this team because of the Colts matchup being what it is to come out. And if they give up... 350 yards passing to Matt Ryan and 450 yards to the Colts. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can let Donatel call defensive plays the next week. If you even, if you even let him let his key card work the next week. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. So that's, that's why this Saturday I think is going to be really interesting. Folks, my wife had a great idea this week in the holiday spirit. We went and got some cases of liquid death and donated them to a local food pantry. Though, I have to say, we did get some strange looks because it's called liquid death. And it looks like we were bringing in a bunch of tall boy beer cans. But liquid death water is about helping the world be a better place. Specifically, the environment by ending plastic bottles. They donate 10% of their profits from delicious mountain water to end plastic use and we've become big fans in the household of it as well so if you want to get some water in a tall boy can because it just tastes better or if you want to give back to others go get yourself some liquid death water go to hy whole foods target or liquiddeath.com slash insider that's liquiddeath.com slash insider to find out more I completely agree. I mean, when you look at this Indianapolis Colts offense, where it really starts is their offensive line, which has been good in previous years, is a horror show at this point. So even as bad as Matt Ryan has looked, and it's been really, really bad, uh, I think that in Atlanta, it showed as well that, you know, when he had any sort of pressure, when their offensive line wasn't good, I mean, he just struggled a lot because there's nothing left there in terms of his athleticism or the arm strength. Like in order to make a good pass, he has to have the whole wind up, you know, he's got to look like Greg Maddox, like just doing the whole wind up to even get 85 miles an hour out of that fastball. And uh, he got benched for, for Sam Ellinger of all people earlier this year. And then they were like, Oh wait, Sam Ellinger actually sucks. Let's go back to Matt Ryan. How bad is Nick Foles right now though, by the way, like, does he, is he just collecting checks because he was under contract and he has to, I mean, like Nick, I mean, Nick Foles has the super bowl ring. He can do whatever he wants, but uh, I don't know. It's sort of funny that he never got a chance as bad as they've looked, but they have, you know, they've got a couple of receivers that can get open. I mean, Michael Pittman is a, is a pretty good player. And as you mentioned, Jonathan Taylor, 
but this team is horrendous. Like there, there is just no excuse whatsoever. The, like even with the Jets, you could go like, well, Garrett Wilson, man. I mean, that guy is super legit. Like that's a superstar receiver in the making right there. First round draft pick. Okay. Like if you're a bad defense, that guy's going to roast you. And it's kind of been like an, an elite receiver each week and a quarterback who's been able to make some plays. But, you know, there's nothing that gives me total confidence, though, because they gave up so many yards to Mac Jones. And like that Patriots offense just makes me sad inside to watch. I mean, the other night it was just screen pass after screen. pass. it's like that's that's what Indy's going to do to this team as well. Um, but I 100 percent agree that if if they if they get over 350 yards, that's just like is Mike Patton available to call plays? And I 100% agree with you that when you say it's all execution, if you're a player in the locker room and we've seen this happen many times with Mike Zimmer, when fingers start getting pointed and this is, this is how we know we're not wrong to be acting the way we are about this because we've got fingers being pointed folks. A finger has been pointed. Uh, Although we've actually, no, we have multiple because with Kevin O'Connell, he's like, we have to look at all the scheme things. And then with Ed Donatelli, he's like, no, it's the players. Ah, yes. Yeah, yes. This this is what you get when you have a team feeling the pressure. Like, they they know they have they have to win here. Like, you can't start a season 10-2 and two, and then just sputter and fall apart and lose in the first round. Like, that just looks really bad for you. That'll look like, yeah, it was all it was all a scam. It was all just luck or anything else. They know that like they know that's exactly how it's going to look. And I think it'll be super fascinating to see how it plays out and how they make these adjustments. But these quotes, O'Connell's quotes, they're making it very clear that the pressure is being felt at TCO Performance Center. Yeah, and and it's definitely different for Donatel and for O'Connell, because I think if this continues on the path that it's down, and they get bounced quick. Like, I don't think there's any question necessarily that Donatel won't be back. O'Connell obviously is not on not on anything remotely close to a hot seat. It's his first year. It's gone about as brilliantly as you could hope in terms of results and in terms of the culture stuff that you see from the post-game speeches in the locker room and the buy-in. And uh, even if they, like, let's say they lose three of the next four and they're 11 and six or whatever, and they lose in the first or second round. I think O'Connell, I think it'll still be mostly viewed as a successful year for O'Connell because they won the NFC North and they got to the playoffs and they were better than they were the last two years, but there'll start to be some questioning of, all right, are we, are we a hundred percent sure that this guy is like a future hall of fame coach that we anointed him after, after 11 games. And, and so he's, he's feeling the pressure to keep this momentum going and, and do whatever it takes to get to a point where they're not going to get sent home in the first round. So, yeah, it, it, and I think with, with Indianapolis, like, we're, we're setting it up, and, and it's true that it is a good matchup for this defense, all things considered, but they're, not, they're also not like the Chicago Bears in terms of weapons. Like, Michael Pittman's a good receiver. Paris Campbell, Alec Pierce are, are fine secondary guys. They've got a few tight ends that are athletic. Like, the Vikings are still going to have to show up and – and they, they'll have Harrison Smith back, we think. And I don't whoever will be playing corner opposite Patrick Peterson, like they're going to have to make plays and, and do some things differently. So it's going to be a, a test in that sense. I mean, Matt Ryan is not, I think, even on the level of like Mac Jones or, or Mike White or Jared Goff, but they still have some, some 
some NFL caliber uh, skill position guys. I want to just read a couple more uh, Donatel quotes because I find them very fascinating. And I've been scrolling through this, this transcribed uh, doc here. And um, one of the ones he said, where was it? Um, well, okay. He said how significant, he was asked how significantly things can be changed. And he says, I don't think it's ever drastic. I really don't think it's drastic. You set your plan in April or May of what kind of team you want to be. But you also got to know if your injuries or maybe changes in the league, you have to make adjustments along the way. And then he said, there's been a ton of teams that pick up momentum later in the season, and we have a lot of momentum. And it's like, uh, do you? I don't think you do. I mean, you have 10 wins, but it's not going well at all defensively. The other kind of one of the hot topics has been uh, Zedarius Smith and Daniel Hunter, who are your two premier pass rushers, like dropping into coverage. And there were some weird moments of that in that Lions game that just make you pause and think. And he said, you know, I think the numbers, when you look at a 3-4 defense, there are times where they'll drop as if they were just a 4-3 end. They'd maybe drop in some replacement zones. The numbers would maybe come out kind of similar. We're pleased with that number. We don't overdrop those guys. And sure, but I think the argument could be made that if they've dropped like 50 times or whatever, that's 50 too many, and they should never be doing that because they are your only – really consistently reliable threats to get to the passer. So it was just, it was a, a very interesting press conference in which uh, also a certain reporter brought up that they are 32nd in yards allowed per game, which I think Dante was probably aware of. And he was asked how he feels about that. And he said, you know, I don't feel good about that. You, know, you want to contribute to your team winning and pointed out that the Vikings are used to having a lot of shutdown defenses, which I wanted to say, well, not the last couple of years, but you're right that, before that and then and then you go back historically it's true and they're just not there right now and so it was it was so interesting to to kind of hear this the tone from this this guy who's been an NFL coach for a really long time and hear him kind of defending his scheme and just to sense that he is feeling the heat right now and he knows that that things have to get better so yeah they they give up a 400 plus yards of the Colts uh, maybe the, I was joking that maybe they'll send Mike Patton down to do the press conference next week and they're not going to subject Ed to that again. But if they do, it's just going to be probably the same thing. It's so interesting how he had to handle that press conference because in a way, if you say, oh yeah, I've been doing everything wrong. They're like, okay, well, is there someone else around who can do it better? <laughs> you know, right? But if you also say, like you mentioned, like, oh, it's all execution, then the locker room goes, what? Uh, and it, you know, right, here's, here's one more really quick. He was asked about changing the scheme and he goes, we're still learning some of our players and their strengths and working through injuries. It's week. It's about to be week 15. What do you, <laughs> that one made me like, did you, did you really just say that we're still learning our players? That's what you say when it's training camp or maybe like week two. Uh, well, so, I, sorry, I, go I, ahead. Go ahead. I, he he poured gasoline on this thing. I mean, right? Like there, there's no there's no way around it. Not only that, but okay. Like I I will give you that Harrison Smith is a big part of this thing. But if you are in December and you're missing one player off of your defense, and literally every other player that you started with in OTAs is here. Come on, man. You can't say, oh, we're working around injuries. You missed Delvin Tomlinson for a couple weeks. Like, that's not working around injuries. There's a one guy. Like, and and may he may be referring to, you know, Zadarius Smith being a little banged up, but even then, Zadarius has not missed a game. 
and he's been in there. And also, like you've been drafting rotational pass rushers for how long? Uh, you know, and the learning learning players. Also, the momentum. It's like, are we living in reality here, Edwin? Like, what is going on? I mean, moment. They've given up 400 plus yards in five straight games. It's never happened in franchise history before. Once you get on the wrong side of those factoids, it's not good. It's not good. So it, to me, it just, it sounds like uh, what's being reflected at the press conference connects with Kevin O'Connell saying, we have to be honest with ourselves multiple times saying we have to be honest with ourselves. I thought that's a really telling comment. It's like, who's not being honest with themselves. Kev- oh, I think I found him. I think I found <laughs> the guy who's not being honest with himself. So this, this tension I, I, you've got to think between Donatell and O'Connell because O'Connell's probably looking at the offense and they rank 10th and 10th is pretty good in points. It's not what, you know, the people imagined in fantasy land when they hired uh, O'Connell that they would, you know, run over the league, but they consistently put up somewhere between 25 and 35 points every single week. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's like an inconsistently consistent offense that's still at the end of the game always ends up with the same amount of points, even though it's a roller coaster through our lives. And if you're 10th in points and you're looking at the defense going, come on guys. I mean, that's good enough, right? Like that should be good enough. Uh, But instead you're just bleeding yardage. You're not on the field as much. And one small, interesting fact, and and I have to double check this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did the Colts have their bye week last week? They did. Yeah. It's like they're coming, they're coming off the vibe. Yeah. I, I just, you know, like something to keep an eye on there that uh, they're the freshest. They're going to be all year. Whereas the Vikings play on short rest coming off of a road game where they kind of got whipped a little bit. So I don't know, like this, this one, this one on the schedule all year, I've been like, I don't care. I don't even want to go <laughs> like, you know, just the, like all these interesting games, all these like super fascinating matchups. And then there's just this, this stink bomb existing here, like on a Saturday in December where, you know, everyone would be rather shopping than watching the Colts play. And all of a sudden intrigue has arisen, which is great. Uh, Will, since, uh, is there anything with, with the Colts that you want to say about their team? Um, I mean, I just think that they're, they're not good, but they have just slightly enough defensive linemen to be a little dangerous. That's, that's the one thing that you look at and they are, 31st in DVOA as a team, not they're, they're close with, uh, with Houston in the race to be last in DVOA. And there's like, it's those two. And then there's a tier gap between the Cardinals at number 30. And the breakdown of that is they are 32nd in offense. They're the worst offense in the NFL by DVOA, worse than the Davis Mills, uh, Jeff Driscoll, Houston Texans, but they're 12th in defense. And that's a legitimate number. And they're also terrible in special teams which is I don't know how much of that is random or if that's actually like oh they're bad at special teams but they're 12th in defense and you look at their defensive front and you're like okay DeForest Buckner is a really good player Grover Stewart I think is an underrated guy who people don't know as much as Buckner but he's been really really good this year Yannick Ngakwe uh, he he can he can speed rush around the edge and then not much else but he's done that to eight and a half sacks and a bunch of sacks throughout his career uh, and then Quiddy Pay is, is a guy who we talked about. I think it was if that was 2020 or 2021 uh, as a first round possibility for the Vikings when they needed more pass rushing. So he's a, a first round caliber guy who's pretty good. So you look at the front four, and that's the maybe the one thing that concerns you. I mean, they still have uh, they have Stephon Gilmore, who's a former Defensive Player of the Year. He's not quite there anymore. Good linebackers, even with uh, Shaquille Leonard 
um, being on injured reserve. So the defense is, is it's competent. It's, it's good in fact. And um, I think specifically looking at the defensive line, that's going to be a tough front to get your running game going against. And that's the one thing I think that the Vikings, that's a question right now. And that's going to be a focus for them this week is trying to get the running game going. Wes Phillips said, they're going to, they're going to shrink some things down. They're going to kind of, minimize and simplify things in the running game to try to just hone in on the fundamentals and just get the kind of core concepts right because there's just been too many zero yard gains and, and losses and plays that get blown up right away and like getting Garrett Bradbury back will for sure help getting Christian Darrisaw back will for sure help he's been one of the best players on this team one of the best linemen in the league uh so so that'll be big but it's going to be a tough front to run against and he also said, he, Wes Phillips said that he was showing um, the linemen and, and the whole kind of running game, like clips of them doing it well and, and hitting on runs. And, and just as a reminder, like, hey, we can do this. This is what it looks like. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But, yeah, running game will be something to watch. And then um, they might be able to put some pressure on, on Cousins as well. And we'll see if he can follow up that absolute gem that he uh, had in Detroit. Folks, you have just days left before Christmas, so make sure you're going to SodaStick.com to get all of your Minnesota sports-inspired goods. That's hats, t-shirts, hoodies, SodaStick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER there for your last-minute holiday shopping. Okay, before we wrap up, I've got a couple of interesting fans-only questions if uh, you're down to answer them. I think they're, they're really, really astute uh, questions, and I thought they were good. I wanted to work them in before the end of the week. Uh, from Mitzi via email, uh, what do you think the reason is for the Vikings' third-quarter issues in the games that always come down to the last minute? Is it the team playing down to their opponent's level or perhaps playing not to lose? Um, you know, I think that the third quarter thing is pretty fascinating. I don't know that I have a great explanation for it, for why it seems that that happens on a weekly basis. And, you know, they did offensively move the ball in the third quarter against the Colt or against the uh, Lions, but they came out and, and went three and out. And that was actually a really big moment in the game because they had just fumbled at the end of the half. And the whole thing was, well, okay, you blew the drive, but you're getting the ball back. You should be able to go get those points back. You give away the ball. And then all of a sudden Detroit gets rolling and their defense forgot how to play in the third quarter. Uh, is this, I mean, I don't know. Like, it seems like a reach to say inexperienced coaching staff halftime adjustments are probably overrated. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know why this is. It's, it's been bugging me that I can't like just put some, like I, I, you like to, we like to talk about football and when there's a problem, we like to like have an explanation for it say, this is why this is happening and this is how you can fix it. And I think, I think with the defense, we can kind of see some of that and it's, it's pretty apparent, but the third quarter thing, yeah, it, it's, I can't really wrap my finger around why that that has kind of continually gone so poorly. And they did. Yeah, you're right. They did score a touchdown. They had the, the feeling touchdown late in the third quarter, but yeah, they came out and they had a short pass to KJ, a, a run up the middle to Dalvin cook, and then a one yard pass to Thielen on third and two. And then they're punting right away. And that's, that's a big play in the game because then the Lions go down and score to make it a, a two score game. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, if, it's a play calling thing. It's like an aggressiveness thing and they're not, they're not being aggressive enough or, or if it's, they're not adjusting at halftime or 
I think there's probably at least some level of randomness to it, and they're not actually like this horrible in the in the third quarter, and that'll maybe even out some more. But yeah, it's it's been weird. I wish I had a better answer. Yeah, the the funny thing is that when you look at their like EPA per play uh, on offense and defense, the first three quarters they're a bottom third team, and then the fourth quarter on both offense and defense they've been like the best team in the league, and. I guess I wonder about like the style of play in the fourth quarter when there's like desperation to throw it to Justin Jefferson and to force the ball down the field because you're in a close game or you're coming back. Uh, I, I would have said that a lot of times they've started the third quarter with the lead and maybe they don't know how to put teams away. I think there's pretty good evidence to say they don't know how to put teams away. The fact that they've won all the games the way that they have. Uh, and against the Jets, I would definitely say that was the case. But I think uh, the answer is probably like a week to week type of thing of what happened when they were up so much against the Jets. What was it? 14 points coming out of halftime and you sort of have a chance to put them away and you don't do it. And then you let them hang around. Um, maybe there is a little bit too like playing too conservatively and, and not pushing the ball down the field and playing aggressively that when this team is aggressive, they can make a lot of big plays. And we've seen that. And I think that's one of the reasons that the defensive conversation is so frustrating because you're like, I think it's there. I don't think it's there to be the number one defense. I don't even think it's there to be the number 15 defense, but I do think it's there to be better than this. And, you know, and, and I would say even for a lot of times, the offense is the same thing. Like, I think it's there that you could be a little more aggressive than you are, but I also feel like Kevin O'Connell has been very nervous about how bad the defense is. And this is how, like, we always split them into how's the offense, how's the defense as if they have nothing to do with each other, but they are connected in the way that each has to play. Uh, And so maybe there's something within that. Or maybe it is completely random and it's just a strange thing that's happened to them. And then, you know, two weeks from now, they'll have a 30-point third quarter out of absolutely nowhere. So it's kind of football. It's a great question. I wish either one of us had like a more distinct answer. Um, Okay, another one here for you. With four games left, what are the odds of Justin Jefferson breaking the single-season receiving record? He's now within, what, like 500 yards of that? I think think there's a good chance. I mean, and – more than ever when you see him coming off of a 223 yard game that could have been 255 if uh, they had ruled that he hadn't stepped out, which I still don't think he did. And it's, it's, it's not like a perfect enough angle where you can say with a hundred percent certainty that he didn't, but it looked to me like his heel was in the air. So yeah, he was a little frustrated with that, but there's so many times uh, this season and in previous seasons where I was like, he's going to break the Sammy white 210 yard single game record. And cause he would have like 85 yards in the first quarter and like 150 at halftime. And then he, and then he wouldn't. And it finally happened. And, and that is kind of calls back to what you were just talking about. The aggressiveness of the offense is like, you see Justin Jefferson do these things and you're like, he should have 150 yards every week. That's how good he is because the teams can double him. And he can still get open with his route running and he, and Kirk can still put it in these small windows and Jefferson's going to catch it 95% of the time. So uh, yeah, four games left. What is the, the Calvin Johnson record? It's like somewhere in the 19s um, and, and Jefferson. I mean, I, I think the real question is that they're, they're similar, but can he get to 2000 and be the first 2000 yard receiver ever? So the record at Calvin Johnson, 2012, is 19, 1,964. And he, so he's 464 away. He has to average 
I said average like 115 a game to get there, which is that's what he does. I mean, I think he's averaging that this season at least, uh, with buoyed by by last week in Detroit. So I think he gets there. The only question would be like if the Packers and or Bears games at the end are meaningless, how much do you want to take any chances with playing your best, most valuable player? So I think I think that would be the only thing that would slow him down. Or like there's always a chance that defenses are like, we're not letting this happen and we're going to like put three guys on him. And then to some extent, even if you're Justin Jefferson, Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss, there's, there's nothing – you can do about that to some extent. So I think to answer the question, I think there's a very good chance that he breaks the all-time record. I'm going to say that week 18 probably won't matter. And now to quote Mike Zimmer, I care about wins and not records. <laughs> and we've talked about, I think, I think Kevin O'Connell is not that way. And he will understand like, this would be cool to get Jefferson this and he would, he would be happy, but you can't play him. You can't. The most important thing is to have him cooking in the wild card round. So you you can't play. If 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 you play Jefferson in week 18 to get him a record and he turns an ankle, oh my god. It's just like one of the worst Vikings things to ever happen, right? And then they and then they lose by 30 in the first round and we all go Kevin O'Connell deserves to be fired for playing Justin Jefferson, right? Like you just yeah, yeah, you, I don't think I think if they're sitting all the starters, they need to sit all the starters and records be darned. But uh, I think that I think that scenario looks actually very likely. I mean that that do you, would you play him in in week eighteen if it's like the 49ers are on our heels for the two seed or mm-hmm. or does the two versus the three not even really matter that much? I don't think it does. Uh, I don't think it does. I I think it's sort of like inevitable that we're going to be watching Nick Mullins play. Uh, in the final game of the season. I Because, like, if you're talking about just right now if the playoffs started today, I mean, you're talking about the difference between, like, the Giants and the football team, uh, the Commanders, I guess. Uh, you know, like, does that matter to you? Like, it doesn't really doesn't really matter to me. So, um, maybe he'll know. just – maybe he'll just get it over the next three weeks because – It's not he impossible. Just had, he, he just had 200 – he's had – 200 he's at 220 he's at 190 he's at 180 it's not it's not impossible for him to get 470 over the next three it's probably unlikely but so we're both picking the vikings for this that is there even a discussion no and and you picked the lions last week right i did yeah yeah and i i should have i knew i should have and i was like this is the lions are playing well it's a bad matchup on the road all this they're gonna be desperate and then I didn't because I I figured the Vikings voodoo magic would work. And if if Cook doesn't fumble that 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 pass at the three yard line, like it could have happened. But yeah, hundred percent picking the Vikings. If they lose to the Colts, we'll be having a, a fun uh, the sky is falling disaster panic mode podcast next week. And I think that would be fully justified if that is the case. Uh, Will, thanks for. Uh your time as always. And uh, we will get together and do this again, leading up to the giants. We're like going to have to do these on Wednesdays now because of the schedule. Yeah. We got, we got two Saturday games in a row. Yeah. It's a, it's a little bit throwing my life off completely. In fact, I mean the, the way that I had scheduled my little family trip was based on thinking it was going to be on a Sunday. And I was like, Oh, well basically only miss like a little bit out there, just one day out there. And then they totally 
screwed me up and I missed this legendary Donatel press conference. It hurts me inside, but I'm glad that you were there to uh, break it down for us. So the good the good Bye. news for you is uh, Matt Daniels did not say anything interesting today, which was rare. He seemed a little uh, not his usual bubbly self, perhaps having to do with a uh, a 42 yard fake punt that uh, they gave up in that Detroit game. So you didn't miss anything there. You did miss a lot with that Donatel. Fair but, yeah, enough. Thanks. That's- Maybe the first press conference all year that Matt Daniels didn't bring something. Exactly. Yeah. No, but this is good. We'll, uh, we'll do it again next week. All right. Sounds good. And thank you all for listening.